Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone and welcome back to the latest episode of the Roker Report. It's been some time since we spoke to you last. A lot of things have happened, a lot of things are up in the air, but that's typical of being a Sunderland fan. You join us in the middle of a heat wave. We're going to do our best to resist that and get you as much information as we can. I'm joined today, as usual, by Gav, Jim and Tom. How are you lads doing? Champion. Everybody's steaming. It's just too hot. Too hot for this. I'm I'm sat in the car with the aircon on. That's how bad it's got. He's doing it properly. He's doing it like a man. Like a boss. Right, so yeah, as we stand right now, um, a lot of really dodgy things have happened actually because we were expecting a new manager to come in and pretty much nailed on Derek McInnes. Turns out that didn't really happen. We'll talk more about that later, but first I'm going to pass you over to Tom who has some information about the uh, potential investors because supposedly there's going to be a takeover of the club. Tom knows a little bit about it, so fire away Tom. What are we looking at? What can we expect? It's a really interesting situation we're in right now. There's two parties have been linked with having a, a very concrete interest in purchasing the club from Ella Short. We'll, we'll look at them both in just a second. But what's really interesting is the fact that we have sort of two parties pitted against each other at this moment in time. They've both lowballed Ella Short to begin with. He wants somewhere around £100 million for the club. Apparently they've offered somewhere around 50 So obviously room to manoeuvre and they're not just going to jump in and agree a fee. So we, we can't expect that. But the first is this German consortium labelled as Deutsche Finance Group. Uh, speculation as to whether that's the same group that Stefan Schwartz, ex-player of Sunderland, of course, was sort of bringing to the club and sort of, you know, giving them a little inroad in uh, dealings with Ella Short. We're unsure about that. There's rumours that they come from the same financial world as Short, which is an interesting thing to note. Will they be of a similar mould to them if that's the case? Who knows? It's all speculation. I really want to spend a little bit of time, though, talking about the, the group today, uh, Fullwell73, who've apparently been sort of linked with an interest, made up... They're basically a group of TV executives who are Sunderland fans, and they aren't by any means the richest blokes in the world individually, but apparently they're heading up a consortium, or they're trying to get together a consortium that is interested in purchasing the club from short. Now they're made up of uh, well, they're made up of four lads, but three of them are Sunderland. You've got Gabe Turner and Ben Turner. They're brothers. They're from London. Parents are Sunderland fans, hence the association with the club. And you've also got Leo Perlman, who I believe is their cousin, who's actually from Newcastle, 
but thankfully as a Sunderland fan and what's what's so interesting about this is a lot of people are saying you know maybe they won't have the money year after year I think they're missing the point the point is they've worked for Lionsgate Films they've worked for CBS they're heavily involved with James Corden's show the Late Late Show with James Corden they're like the the creative aspect of that the people who they have links to is what's interesting if they can get that sort of world of people CBS Lionsgate interested in purchasing the club from short and they lead it up as fans of the club that is something surely to be excited about and I'm just going to hand over to the lads now but really just to take away that it's it's a group of fans who are putting a consortium together here and I think that's something that we should be really 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 interested in I mean me for my for my part like <laughs> I was saying this to James actually about with the whole potential transfer of or the transfer budget 15 million were we really expecting anything more than that do you know what I mean so is that really a negative thing because I honestly don't as we know Moyes was told he had nothing he left and then when Derek McInnes was supposed to be coming in supposedly he was told he was going to have nothing from from all accounts Bain isn't going to be opening up any kind of tabloid style war chest because we've sold Jordan Pickford boo-hoo by the way we'll talk about that later but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised for any potential owner to come in and spend much more than that. Do you know what I mean? And is it a good idea to spend much more than that, considering the position we're in? I'd, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'd, I think a new owner would do well to play the play it very safely, very carefully, particularly when you're looking at the way Sunderland seems to like draw debt to itself do you know what i mean we seem to manage to become indebted to our owners to banks to various clubs for failed transfers and do you know what i mean the, i mean recently the the dispute over alvarez that apparently is something we've lost do you know what i mean it just seems like we can't get anything right financially so it makes sense to me in a way that someone with a, a good head on their shoulders would come in and think hang on a minute Rather than come in heavy-handed and be like, right, it's a hundred million, if they were even allowed to do that, um, fair play being what it is and all that, then I, I think that that wouldn't necessarily be a good idea. It might give us hope initially. Do you know what I mean? It, it would it would be a, a big morale boost for everyone. But is there the infrastructure in place to use that money properly? Do you know what I mean? It, will will they come in? Will they change the scouts? Will they change, as I say, the the infrastructure of the club? Will they change the way we recruit? I'm not so sure it would be a bad thing. So I don't know. What do you make of it? Again? I think I think when you think about the type of people that Ella Short uh, will ultimately sell the club to, he, we were told that he, you know, he'd received offers over the years, but he received them for people who uh, from people who necessarily didn't have the best interests of the club at heart. Um, you would presume that a couple of Sunderland fans trying to put a consortium together of very wealthy people to buy it would have the best interest of the club at heart. Would make the the type of appointments you would expect of Sunderland fans would put people in place who um I think I think there's been a big issue really over recent years with since Niall Quinn left really there not being football people involved behind the scenes. Um and, and obviously bad decisions being made on the back of that because, you know, there's people with limited football experience running the club. Um so for me if, if it's a, if it's going to be a direct choice of the two, and to be honest, it's really early days. We've only just learned of this this um, full well called consortium today, haven't we? So it's a early day. It might not come to anything, but it is good to hear that there's various groups involved because uh, we do know that there's a there's a time limit being placed on on the um, on what, you know obviously how quickly we want the business to be done because at the end of the day, 
we're, we're what, 10 days from pre-season starting? It's not good. It's like, we know that they're going to have Stockdale in place for that happening, for that beginning. Um, but it, if 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 it goes on too long, it could really impact our season. We're talking about, you know, knocking us back completely recruitment-wise, not, um, not having our squad in place ready for pre-season, which mm. seems criminal. Um, so, for me, it, it's about obviously the get reaching the right conclusion. If the right offer doesn't come along, then yeah, you know they're going to have to nix it and, and move on. But it does encourage us that the Sunderland fans that that, that are trying to do something about it because we've spoken about it before on here. It would be great. Um, it would be great, you know, a fan initiative. Not this. That's not necessarily what this would be, but to have Sunderland support as involved in the run of the club can only be a good thing because I think you know. I'm not saying Sun fans know more than say Ella Short, but we know more about this football club than that man does. We know more. Than, than, we do. You know, we do. We know. We know more. We know more about Sunland than most people do. So you would expect that with with good people running the club who who love it and have the have the heart in the right place, that ultimately it, it will lead us down a better path, which is what we all want. It is, and actually, to be honest, that could be something that no matter who comes in, it it would be nice to see them have some sort of fan representative on the board or, you know, more involved with the club, because I think we all need um, reassurance that, you know, our interests as fans are taken into consideration because they certainly haven't been under Ellis Short. Um, I mean, it feels like we've not had a good summer in absolute years, lads. I mean, whether it's a new manager coming in or or chasing the wrong player for months and months and months, and now it's a takeover. um, I mean, it's, it's just more uncertainty. Hopefully new ownership when it comes in, you know, it should restore um, some stability and hopefully some more credibility for the club because mm-hmm. we need this settled as soon as possible. I mean, with no manager in, um, it's longer before said manager gets to assess the squad. It's longer before we can fully commit to transfer targets. Um, it's it's the, the, the start of the season is, is only just around the corner we are in desperate need of, of a good start. Um, I really hope we can get this sorted in, you know, the next, well, as soon as possible, hopefully the next couple of weeks. Um, soon as Ellis Short, Ellis Short's gone, the better for me. Um, I can't wait to see the back of him because whether I think at the start of his tenure, he definitely had the best interests in it at heart. Now, I think he just wants shot of it. Um, you know, the sooner we can bring in new ownership, the sooner we can bring back some optimism and um, some more faith, you know, and this could help, you know, reconnect with the fans because we spoke about it so much last season that the apathy around the place and the, and the lack of connection between the club and the fans, hopefully new ownership can, can bring that back because it certainly did when now Quinn organized the consortium and, and brought Roy Keane in. You know that the feel-good factor around the club was 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 absolutely fantastic. Mm. So to think on a on a positive note, um, if we can replicate that, you know, it, it can only be good. It's probably worth mentioning at this point, though, as well, that uh, it's you, you're totally right, Jimmy. That it, it is all about being excited at this point. You know, Short might be leaving the club. The quagmire that we've gone through over the last God knows, you know, decade he's been here essentially. That essentially leaves we have a clean slate, like we're seeing. But I think we need to approach this with like a tempered sense of of optimism. You know, it's I don't want us to get carried away thinking, oh, class, they're going to come in, 
they're going to hoi money at us and, and it'll be great because like Damo will say you know it's that's not what's going to happen it's not going to happen at all what is interesting though is the fact that whoever comes in here really does have an opportunity to change the momentum to swing it from being this apathetic and angry in some cases from some fans they get to change it from that and you know simple decisions that they could make appoint people who we can put our trust into appoint people who seem to have a decent understanding of football uh, create an identity for the club give us the, the noise that we want here you know get in touch with the fans I think that is what's important we need to be sort of cautious cautiously optimistic I suppose is what you would say because yes this is the opportunity to be a cathartic moment a swing in our fortune but we need to measure that op- optimism because we haven't heard anything from these consortiums yet it's all hearsay and I really want to get carried away and I want to be over the moon and I'll be the first person out there with a, a little party hat and a crack where I'll be drinking out in the streets when Ella Shaw goes because as much as the bloke's tried he's got this absolutely c- catastrophically wrong but like I say we need to be cautious when it comes to whoever gets appointed because who's to say this this German consortium if they get it who's to say that they're going to be any better than Ella Shaw there's talks that they're going to offer less than the £15 million that Ella Short says is available for transfers this summer. And I just don't want fans to... And I guess this is sort of like a plea for me, really. I don't want fans to get too ahead of themselves thinking everything's going to change for the better. Because with no guarantee and no communication from these uh, from these parties who are interested, we can't really form an opinion. We can be cautiously optimistic, like I'm saying, that hopefully they get things right and they turn it around. But at the same time, we really need to keep our feet uh, firmly rooted to the ground here. We need to be very, very sensible. And we need to keep up that level of... Um, What's the scrutiny, I suppose? We've been very, I wouldn't say harsh because it's deserved, but we've given Ella Short and Co. Um, a real rough time of it, deservedly so. And I think until we hear something from these new consortiums, if one of them comes in or whatever, I don't even know if they're allowed to communicate with the fans at this point, but until we hear something, until there's like engagement with the fans, I would just warn people of being too excited because uh, you, you just never know in these situations, you know what I mean? It's, it's just not a foregone conclusion. Tempered optimism. Yeah, basically. Couldn't it ever get any higher than tempered optimism as a Sunderland fan, I wonder? No, the interesting thing, like, when we're talking about... It's 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 been repeated quite a lot, actually. We've heard it from different sources, now we're hearing it in the media, but we've heard it before privately, that Ellis Short has the best interests of the club at heart. Now, obviously, a lot of us doubted that for a long time, but particularly when it comes to the sale of the club, like, that Ellis won't be prepared to sell until he... He figures out or he finds out that whoever's going to take over has the best interests of the club at heart. Is that is that not just so much lip service, though? Do you know what I mean? Because you've got to bear in mind how much money we owe Ellis Shaw. I mean, and he's a very wealthy man. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that he should be losing money. I mean, for a start, you shouldn't get into this business. You shouldn't get into the business of owning a football club if you want to make profit. Everyone will tell you that, unless you talk about one of the big, big, big teams um, which, of course, would cost you well into the billions, do you know what I mean, in, in total running costs, purchase costs, all that thing. But this is something we hear a lot. Ellis Short, he, he will only sell to the right person. First of all, how does Ellis Short know who the right person is? Because he's consistently ballsed up the club for like since he took over. So I'm not Most money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. It's like we have to bear in mind as well, when, when, we, when we entrust this to Ellis Short, when we say, oh, well, he can 
he's doing it just to like to specifically help us. He's doing it because he wants it. I don't know. He wants it to be in keeping with what the spirit of Sunderland, the region, the fans. He doesn't know what any of those things are. Do you know what I mean? And that, if he did, we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. If he understood the club, if he could relate to the fans, we wouldn't be where we are now. So the idea that we're gonna that he's somehow looking for someone who's like, oh, all I want is the best for Sunderland. I don't, I don't see that as being a real thing. In fact, I think the recent sales and things like that, and the recent activity from the club, it seems to me like he's just hanging. As as you just said, James, like he's just hanging on. Bearing in mind, we do owe him a lot of money. So, if someone was to come in and say, let's say the club's valued. I think the last time I checked, it was valued at about a hundred to hundred and twenty million, something like that, to buy the club outright. But when you consider that we still have like one hundred and thirty million plus of debt, and nearly half of that is too Ellis Short, is to our owner, our, our generous owner who lends us money and says, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, until it comes to the point where he's like, actually, no, fuck it, I want my money back. It's like, I, I don't see where this idea that he's, he's got our best interests at heart, do you know what I mean? And as I say, if he did, I, I don't think he knows what they are. So, Sorry for jumping in here, Demo, but uh, probably worth mentioning as well for fans that don't indeed. know. Financial Times said this week, Ellis Short just raised... Two billion dollars of investment exactly. I for mean, his uh, his financial group to go and invest this summer. You know, it's you and I discussed it before anyway. You mentioned certainly that just because he's raised two billion, it isn't necessarily his money to play with or anything like that. But at the same time, he has that capacity. He has those contacts. Do you know what I mean? He, and that's what he does. He has he has the ability to to get together a group of. The, so if Ellis Short has Sunderland, on, let's keep with this train of thought. If Ellis Short has that. Uh, our best interest, club's best interests at heart and the best interests of the fans at heart. And he can raise that sort of money. I mean, I suppose it's a little bit different because you're talking about something which is obviously very profitable to him. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, distressed assets, he, he's going to be buying up property, he's going to be reselling it. So that's an instant turnover. So it's easy to see why or how he would be able to say to somebody, look, I need a bit of money to do this, this and that. But yeah, it's a perfectly valid um, worry, to be honest, that he's capable of I think, well, investing this money, of drumming up this interest, but none of it really comes towards us. And we've heard a lot about Ellis Short. Oh, he cares for the club. He's putting his own money into it. Do you know what I mean? Consistently, year after year. He said it himself in the statement. Oh, year after year, I put money into the club and I don't get anything back. But it's this, you will never be able to escape the fact that, yeah, but you want that money back. Do you know what I mean? It's like people often say, don't they? You don't, you don't mix friends and money. You know what I mean? If you're gonna, you never lend your friends money. You give them money. You never lend your family money. You give them money because you don't, you don't want to be in a situation where you're demanding it back and the relationship breaks down. But that's exactly what we've got with Ellis Shaw. He's turning around. He's, he's taking this credit for for providing small, relatively small sums when you consider the football world and how much money he actually has. And at the same time, he's it will always be demanded back from him. So that is my chief concern, that this whole interests of the club thing is just a way to to excuse and justify the fact that he's taking so long because he's obviously spoken to some potential investors and he said, well, when can I have my money back? Do you know what I mean? Because that's what he does. That's what he is. And that's what we, we forget sometimes. He's he's in it to make money. And whether he thought he could, uh, whether he thought Sunderland was some sort of sleeping giant that he could easily make a turnover from, I don't know. But... I'm certainly concerned that it isn't about us and it isn't about being good to the fans. No, you're spot on because <clears throat> when it comes down to it, it, it is lip service. And what, at the end of the day, if Ellis Short's faced with the choice of to do the right thing by Sunderland Football Club, 
if an if a if a potential buyer comes along and they don't offer enough money, if he if it comes down to it and he could do the right thing by the club that he you know supposedly cares about and sell it to them, or will he cling on for as much money as possible to improve his bottom line? It's always going to be the latter. He's always going to care about the money before he will our club. Mm. It's just, it, I have no doubt in that, unfortunately. Exactly, and and taking that into account, then. Um, whoever comes in obviously has to be a person that, or a group that meets those specifications, his secret specifications, let's call them in this little conspiracy discussion, then it, the people who care for Sunderland and who have the be- the club's best interests at heart ergo are the people who can pay him the most money, pay off his debt as quickly as possible, or rather our debt to him as quickly as possible. And then that would make sense in a way if we were looking at a very small amount of money to spend because so much money would be spent up front in order to purchase the club from him. Do you know what I mean? So it, it's it's really, it's, it's six and two, three, three, I suppose. You, I can't see any scenario in which someone is, unless we're talking about like a ridiculous, crazy chic comes in and he's just like, yeah, yeah, so I'll buy this and I'll do this, this and that. Which obviously a lot of financial fair play pre- uh, it prevents that there are things put in place now so that you can't necessarily have a great boom at a club like Manchester City saw, for example, that that's not really possible anymore. I mean, yeah, you can have someone come in with a lot more expendable income, or and and that's that's something we could potentially benefit from. But as I say, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a situation that fills me with joy, and it's it would be understandable then that the first person he sells to is the one who says, right, look, I'll I'll pay you your sixty eight million, I'll pay you thirty million of it now, and do you know what I mean? Thirty-eight million of it next year, or something like that. So I, I agree with Tom. It's something that we should be. Well, in fact, I, I, in a way, I, I think we should be far more pessimistic than he's saying. Because if you, if you do boil it all down to that, do you know what I mean? Yes, you've got the you would have the morale boost and things like that, but we aren't going to see there. There is no scenario in which a takeover of Sunderland happens and there's suddenly a lot of money to play with because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense financially. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense that he would be able to sell it because that would essentially make the club. It's more than doubling the club's worth to him. If he owes this money in debt to banks and the money is owed to him too, he's not willing to let go of this money. I mean, you can't really blame him. Fair enough. Might have been his balls up in the first place, but we still owe him the money. It's still his money. That is what it is. So I think there are many reasons to be potentially pessimistic about the whole thing. Don't get me wrong. It's ideal that it would be sold. Do you know what I mean? We certainly want short out, but I think we envision something that would, for a start, be a lot less secretive. Like as Tom said earlier, there is there's been no engagement with the fans. We this is a mystery person. We it, it's a it's a it's a mystery box, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You could stick your hand in there. It could be a million pounds. Could stick your hand in there. It could be a fucking poisonous spider. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> we've we've got no idea what's going to happen. I and really hope can, it's the former. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but also when you consider that this club seems to be it, it hemorrhages money doesn't it do you know what I mean it, it seems to be so difficult and also while we're on the subject will that change the rotten core of Sunderland that we've heard so much about do you know what I mean will anything there change um, he's the rotten core man yeah, he's exactly. the only he's the only constant through the whole thing he's the rotten core um, I, if we try and be positive like I mean he, I, as soon as he's gone it, even if it's to create any sort of feel-good factor between um, the club and the fans, you know, that's only a positive because there's never been such a disconnect. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's really key that they get the right man in as well. Let's just hope it's not Tony Adams. You know, that, that <laughs> Well, talking about that, yeah, there is obviously there is a small rumor going around that Tony Adams is somehow involved in uh, potentially in the capacity of a director of football, or I don't know, is is he in the? You wouldn't think he's in the forerunner for manager, considering his recent let's call them escapades, because it wasn't the management, was it? It wasn't a job. He, he didn't do very well. What was it? Was it Grenada he was at recently? Yeah, yeah. Doing his dance. Yeah, doing his dance on the touchline. I mean, he's lost the plot as far as anyone's concerned. But uh, what sort of, um, well, what he'll bring to it, if he's at all involved, we don't really know. But this is the problem. This is where we're at now. We're, we've gone from being confident that we were totally crap and that we were, we were just going to have a load of shit to deal with. But there was always a plan, wasn't there? There was this elusive plan of, of like, uh, oh, we're going to consolidate. You know what I mean? Martin Bain, let's speak about him. He was brought in to streamline the club. He was brought in to steady the ship and all those other fucking things. But has he, has he actually, has he, has he steadied anything? Is there, has there been any improvement whatsoever under Martin Bain? No, no, uh, no. <laughs> none, none whatsoever. You know, I, I remember, I remember Tom writing something. God, it was probably ten games in the season um, about how there could be planning for relegation. And then when you think about that as a concept, um, and then pitted against where we're at now, they couldn't have planned for this. Like, it's just so bad, isn't it? it it's this is far worse than anyone could have envisioned. Maybe a year ago, even you know. Um, and you have to look at being and. By all accounts, he's he's the one taking over the run of the club. Day to day, short has no involvement, and you you look at the the lack of progression, the regression of the last year, and who who do you put that down to really? Because, mm. um, <clears throat> okay, David Moyes was an awful manager, and he and he um, did far more damage than he did good. But at the same time, he walked into a situation which I don't know how many managers would have been. Um, one will take it on, and two, I'm not sure whether the working relationship with Bain is maybe a, a, a big contributing factor to where we're at. Because you look, you look at you look at us now. We're we're, we're heading into the championship with a threadbare squad. A lot of players who aren't sure whether they're coming or going through contract issues. We don't have a manager because of this alleged takeover, although I don't think it would be too difficult to find the manager. It's just the case of getting the right one, isn't it? Um, and, you, you know, you add all of that together and you think, who, who's overseen this mess, really? Because short, if he has handed off control of the club to, to Martin Bain, um, he can wash his hands of this mess once he's walking away. Martin mm-hmm. Bain's the one who's he's the fall guy, and he? he's been appointed to just be a... Just, just to take take the rap effectively for for what's been an awful period. It's a culmination of of probably six years of you know utter disdain at the club. Mm. So yeah, Martin Bain for me is is a big problem. Um, obviously, any, any potential takeover of this club would would see the back of him hopefully. Um, which I guess when we were talking earlier about about you know don't don't uh, get your hopes up too much and. A potential takeovers could, you know, see us worse off. But I just think that it, it can't get much worse than this. Mm. And people like Bain don't need to be anywhere near this football club. We were warned by Rangers fans just what he was like. Um, I bought into his bullshit originally. I, I thought this was going to be the guy to come in and, and streamline the club. But for me, 
you can't quantify his tenure as son and CEO as anything other than a complete disaster. And that that's when you're marking it against people like Margaret Byrne, who he superseded, you know. It's just been god-awful. And the, we can't move forward as a football club with them two still at the top of the tree, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. I'd agree, we only go further you. backwards. Like, just... I like you, mate. I, I bought into all this crap. I mean, Callum said it uh, well earlier in the season. He again hit the nail on the head where he said that, you know, he's just a salesman and he's selling us the dream, you know. Um, and I, I bought it all. I mean, the bloke's meant to have football ex- experience, but I think that's absolute bollocks because uh, Derek McInnes, that whole thing went tits up um, because we're in the middle of a takeover. Then why was he approached if... If, if Martin Bain has any idea, why would any credible manager take the job with this much uncertainty around the club? I just think it's just, it's just, he's just, he's rubbish. Everything, everything he seems to do just seems to be half-arsed. And I don't think it's well, as, as well thought out as, as we, we'd hoped he would be. I mean, I, I actually don't know too much about his reign at, at Rangers, but I mean, it can't, I mean, is it as bad as what it's been here? Because how is the blokes still getting jobs is, is beyond me. Well, it seems to me that the only thing he's managed to successfully do is is make redundancies at a, a very low level within the club. Do you know what I mean? Not, not to mention he's overseen some, some uh, let's say, inflated transfer fees, some transfers with, that carry a lot, of, a lot of money behind them, things you wouldn't have expected, like, Obviously, Patrick Van Anholt went for 14 million, which was like nearly five times what we bought him for. Do you know what I mean? And a while at the time, we were saying, oh, we're getting rid of a shit defender. Do you know, it's not really a big deal. We then lost his attacking ability, which we said at the time would be an issue. And it became an issue. And Crystal Palace stayed up. We didn't stay up. We really missed those goals. We really missed that attacking threat. Do you know what I mean? Replaced by Brian Obvio. It's It just seems to me that he, he, was, he was brought in as an axe man, wasn't he? That was his job. He was brought in to to make sure that the club stopped hemorrhaging money. But while it was sold to us as fans that the idea or the reasoning and how he would manage to do that was, oh, he'll, he'll, he'll improve the recruitment process. He'll be a better negotiator. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's not really so much that. It's more like he's selling off our assets and there's no one to replace them with. He's looked at this job and he's thought, oh, yeah, I know how you can make some money. You've got four or five players that are worth cash. Sell them. But then the, the, what about after that? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I'll just bring him in, bring this guy in, bring him in to do that job. Yes, they can do a, a, a semi-decent job, but look at us now sitting in relegation. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, it's it like, it, it, it's this whole fucking attitude that's been going around and within the Sunderland fan base for so long, like, oh, well, it was coming. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's been coming for 10 years. And everyone looks at the club like that. Oh, relegation's been coming for 10 years. That's bollocks. That's utter bollocks, right? Because there was never any point where we had to get relegated. I mean, we spoke about it at the start of the season. We spoke about it in the middle of the season. We spoke about it at the end of the season. The only reality, the only real thing that made any sense about whatever, about the way the club was going was that it would enable the owner to take his money back do you know what I mean? And that seems to be what we're doing. The idea that, oh, we'll stop hemorrhaging money because I'll change things for the better is bollocks. It's, it's, he is an axe man. He came in and he chopped away the best things we had. And this leads me very strongly and emotionally onto Jordan Pickford because um, everyone was happy. To, well, no one was happy to see Jordan Pickford go. Everyone would agree that it was a fair amount and that we weren't going we to keep him. Do you know what I mean? So 30 million for a player that we're not going to keep uh, the most expensive British keeper, 
now in history, which is fair enough because they Evan don't know what they've got though. They're laughing. They must be laughing at that bargain. Do you know what I mean? We snatched their hands off for that. And I look to I look at that now and I think back to when we were so desperate to keep Kone. And uh, the, what was the point? What was the point? Um, Moyes, he dug his heels in, and that he, he earned a lot of respect for that at first because we were in a little meltdown, like, oh, we can't get rid of Kona, he's brilliant. And he dug his heels in, and he said, no, this, this is your club, you're contractually obliged to stay here, I'm not letting anyone talk to you, I'm not letting you go. Now we're hearing that he's, he's going to be sold off at, uh, like, a knockdown price to someone like West Ham. West Brom I mean? for eight million or something. Oh, my God, it just gets worse and worse and worse. This whole thing with Jordan Pickford winds me up so much. I wrote an article about it. Winds me up so much because we are not going to see that money. Do you know what I mean? The, and this concept that playing in the championship for a year would somehow be detrimental to Jordan Pickford's career is utter bullshit. I'm sick of hearing it. It wouldn't be detrimental to his career. He would still get picked. There are two, three examples in the last two, three years alone of championship keepers being selected for the international job. It's, it's as simple as that. Do you know what I mean? There was nothing. And apart from the fact that he applied a lot of his trade in the championship, he would be perfect for it. This is, he loves the club. He's a Mackham. Do you know what I mean? He's, it's Jordan Pickford. It's all just, it, it's just, it, it's a mess. And we had this discussion amongst ourselves, uh, like as writers, like, well, it wasn't, do we think he, he was given any choice to, to say, to stay? Do you know what I mean? But did it, no chance. Exactly. He wasn't given a choice. Because Martin Baines didn't see him as one of our best keepers, one of our best assets. Didn't see him as a as a, a stepping stone towards the greatness that we look to achieve as a football club, which he was. Because you should build a team around players like that. You shouldn't be fucking selling them. I don't care who says it. And we are not going to see that money. Transfers aren't even done in such a fashion that we suddenly have thirty million in the bank that we can fucking play with. Yes, the shitty tabloid newspapers will come out and say, "Oh, Pickford war chest." But it's, it's just a load of noise because it's not true. Transfers aren't done like that. It will be done in increments. It will be done over the course of four or five years, something like that. He, he might have a sell-on clause as well, potentially. I, I don't know. We don't know the details of it. But the reality is, at best, we were going to see about four or five, maybe six million from Everton for him up front. And what were we going to do with that? We're not going to do nothing because that goes straight towards paying back Ellis Short, who now, coincidentally, is about to leave, sells our best asset, and then fucking packs his bags and leaves. It drives me insane. It drives me mad. And everyone's wishing Jordan Pickford luck. Don't get me wrong, right? He might not have had the opportunity to... He, it might have been difficult. He might have been, I don't know, just forced into it, they say. But you can't really force him because he, he had a contract to keep him at the club. Do you know, if he wanted to, he could have dug his heels in and said, you know what? This is my club. We've gone down in the championship. I'm not having it. We don't belong in the championship. I'm going to stay and fight for my place. No, it will not affect my future career. He's 23 years old, isn't he? Going on 24. What, what's that? It's a very young age for a keeper anyway. He would not have depreciated a value. He would have gone up in value. There is absolutely no logical sense to selling Jordan Pickford. doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? It just boggles my mind that that happened. And I think I was financially. Well, yeah, financially in the sense that you could just take the money and run, though. But financially, it didn't make any sense for it to benefit us as a club, did it? Well, I a bit though. We sold him and we sold Henderson, sixty million combined. Investors are going to look at that and they're going to say, "I, I'd, I'd be interested in taking over that club." Do you know what I mean? It's just one of those. But how 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 often how often does that come round? Do you know what I mean? It's literally um, it's it's right that you mentioned Henderson as well because there's only two. Name me the one before that. When was the last time before that when we made a load of money off a youth product? 
work. We we rarely do. We don't have what, an academy system million? set up. Three million. <clears throat> it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not a lot, but it is. <laughs> well, you, you, it is the winner in a way because he, he's come through the system and made money from from a player. But you're right. There isn't a great turnover of of um, quality players going out the door. But I, I guess that's kind of what they're hoping to. To hit out in the future, regardless well, that of that sort of attitude, though, this is my point. That sort of attitude is exactly what keeps us in the cheap seats. This attitude that we can just, do you know what I mean? That we're some sort of occasional feeder club to Merseyside for some reason of all places. Do you know what I mean? That's where we send our products. Like they don't get further than Merseyside. That's about as far south as they'll be able to travel. It just <laughs> it drives me completely insane. The, this every team we've said it before. Every team should be built around strength. You cannot sell your best players and expect to be a good team. And the idea, it's like, for example, I mean, look at Everton, look at the players they're bringing in now in, on top of Jordan Pickford. They've got some fantastic players coming in. And that's how you build good teams. You, you buy great players, you spend the money you've got to spend, you buy great players and you do it. If you haven't got the money to go out, like Everton have done recently in the transfer market, and just pick up 30 million here, 30 million there for each player, you have to focus on what you have got. So instead of having 10 assets on the pitch, we had one. Let's face it, we had one or two. I mean, now, arguably, our best player is Didier Ndong, who's been here for, what, do you know what I mean, a year? He ba- ba- barely speak English, Paul Sod, and gets slagged off by Sunderland fans every time he touches the ball. It's, it's just mind-boggling. It's not the way to run a football club, and it's just another fine example of how poorly run this football club has been. And that lack of ambition will cost us. We will not go anywhere. We will not exceed. We will not excel because we have no ambition. The people, so anyone that does come in to potentially buy the club has to be, they, they have to think bigger than that. They have to look at a player like Jordan Pickford. If we're lucky enough to get another player like him anytime soon, which I personally don't think we will, unless there are massive changes made to the scouting and recruitment system. If we were lucky enough to get a player like that, they need to look at him as a, a, a building stone. Do you know what I mean? It needs to be a building block for something better. On it's every level as well, Damo, because it's, to, a lot of, I can imagine a lot of, um, potential players out there, if we approach them, they probably won't take us as serious as, seriously as they should do. For us to become a club that, you know, people take seriously and actually think, oh shit, they, they, you know, they want to do something. You can't sell your best players. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't because otherwise you do become a, a team that will consistently struggle. You know, well, if, if, you, if, if you look, if you look at Leicester, sorry, cut you off, but for what you're saying, you look at Leicester and what happened when Conte went. Do you know what I mean? They, they sold their best player and thought, oh well, we'll be able to use that money to bring in a couple of other players. You, they can't replicate it. And so, what happened to Leicester? They didn't go. They didn't meet expectations. So you've got legions of these plastic fake fans around the world who are like, oh, I support Leicester. Yeah, I live in Japan. I've supported Leicester all my life. Bollocks, have it. But you've got all of these people now who have been tricked and fooled into this. It's just a lie, isn't it? They, they will not achieve anything. But if they'd kept their best players, don't be wrong. Obviously, it depends. You, you can't. If, if someone's head's turned, you know what I mean? You, you can't do it. But nobody tell me that Jordan Pickford's been sitting there for the last couple of years going, oh, yeah, I can't wait till I go to Everton. Do you know what I mean? He hasn't. He, he, doesn't, he, he shouldn't have given a shit. And, oh, just, man, oh, someone else take over for me because I'm just angry. Too angry. <laughs> too angry about it <laughs> but yeah like you say though it's it's just it's positive though that we're bringing through players like Pickford and like Henderson and like I said earlier on people are going to like that people who want to buy into the club are going to like that and ultimately 
like it or not, we're going to have to sell that calibre of player. Just, we're able to take local lads, bring them into the club, and sell them on at a profit. And for me, that's just something... That's a, that's a regional catchment thing, though, isn't it? That isn't us. That's the fact that we have such a large area covered by our scouting system. So inevitably, in, in, an, area, in an area that's obsessed with football, you will get quality players like that. Yeah, mate, you're right. It, it is the catchment area, and we want to be really grateful for the fact that we're in a location where we can bring young players in and they're going to do well. But I'm just... Um, I'm sorry, like, for Sunderland fans need to temper their expectations here... If we can cultivate players and sell them, you know, for profit, if we're able to take that money and we're able to, let's say it's the 30 million and we don't end up just blowing it or spunking it on loans like we're going to do with the Pickford money, as you've already said, mate, we're able to take it and we're able to reinvest in aspiring good young players, then that's got to be a positive, you know, that's something that we can we can take out of sales of star players, star local players, and be happy about. We're just not in the position right now. I totally agree with what you're saying. We're just not in the position right now to be able to hold on to these quality young players. And if eventually we can get to the position where, you know, 10 years time, whatever, where we can hold on to all this local grown talent and make our own team of leaders from the local area who want to perform for the badge, wonderful. But it's going to take a long time to get there, which is why, personally, I think we need to invest not only in a new manager, but whoever comes in, whether it's short, please God no, or it's the one of the investment groups who takes over. We need to invest in someone who can help the manager create an identity for the club. Let's look back to Peter Reid. Peter Reid um, really created a, a system that was purely his doing you know he had an identity of style we played wide we played fast we played direct we had little and larger front you know we actually went and we brought in players like Kevin Phillips who were, were nobodies at the time and we were able to, to to give them a boost up and we need to imitate something like that now where we can go use the money from the sales of like Pickford or Henderson or get to a point where we use that money and we start to reinvest it into the club. And we're, at, at this moment in time, we're going to have to go that read model. We're going to have to bring somebody in, whether it's a director of football or whatever, we're going to have to bring somebody in to help supplement the manager to create an identity that we can buy into and that we can use the money from the sales of our better players to actually get us... Uh, into a position where we can create a team that is capable not just of short-term success but long-term and then once we get back into the Premier League then we can look to, to hang on to these players and I just think right now that the sales of Pickford and Henderson Pickford especially right now it, it, it kind of has to be done unfortunately and like I say I think one thing we've lacked massively for the last 10 years is an identity and that's the first thing the club need to do is whenever this ownership situation is is sorted out we need to look who can we bring into this club to help set the foundations or, or plot a course for success because Bain and Co their idea of just buying young British players and selling them on at a profit is wonderful but it just doesn't work like that unfortunately we actually need to put together a long term plan a long term yeah. situation we need to look at other clubs need to see what they've done and I'm not saying we need to mimic it but we need to look at what they've done and we need to follow a similar suit they've all set in stone very clear directions in which they want to go they know how they want to play they know the signings they can make if they sell someone they can bring someone in if they get rid of the manager they can bring some in and that's what we need to do we need to plan long term now and that's what we haven't done for, for ages oh, really 
Sorry, mate. Let's say we don't need a Swansea model. We don't need a Southampton model. We don't need any of these bloody models. Look, every year it changes, doesn't it, boys? It, it, every there's a, a fashion every year. It was Swansea four years ago. It was Southampton. Now it was Leicester. Then they he they got their head director of football, a head chief scout post. We don't need any of their um, models. We need our model, mm. and that can only be done by a thorough investigation of what the bloody hell's gone wrong in the last six years. And the thing is, we. We're not put at ease as fans because we're not told that these things are happening. We're like, we're, as Damo said in the past, we're fed lip service that, you know, they want to they want to make us a, a great club again or, or whatever it will be. But I, I want to hear something logical that says, look, actually, you know, we're we're looking at exactly what went wrong. Because it, it might turn out that actually something like the Defanti model, we'll call it that, the Udinese model, was actually the right thing for our club. But as Tom said, we just appointed the wrong people. You know, we just... As fans, mm. we don't know any of this because we're not bloody told. Martin Bain tells us nothing. Mm. You know, all of these things he's got wrong in the past year, it, it, we'd, we'd be fine with some of his mistakes if he'd come out and said, actually, look, we've done this because, because of A, B, C, whatever it will be, because, you know, there needs to be a long-term plan. I get, I get no feeling that there's a long-term plan. I don't think there has been a long-term plan for a while. I agree with you there. It's, it's been pretty obvious that there's not even a short-term plan, really. Do you know what I mean? It was always papering over the cracks. And it's talking, just briefly staying on Pickford for a second. We'll move on in a moment. But uh, James Henson, he, he made a very good and apt quote for this was, it's like taking a payday loan to buy a packet of crisps. And that's exactly what it was like with Jordan Pickford. So, oh, well, I need this right now. So I'll, do you know what I mean? Like going to the property and asking for a grand and it's just like, you'd be paying it back forever. It, you will never accomplish anything with that money. Uh, we're typically depressive as Sunderland fans, aren't we? I suppose it's, it's, it's inevitable really because of the way things are going, but talking to move briefly on now, because we haven't got long and we, we do love to talk to you, but it's bloody hot. Um, the, the reality of it is, <laughs> it, it's really like, is. it really is the sweat dripping through my eyes. It's, it's difficult. No, um, with management, uh, we'll talk briefly about Derek McInnes and whatever that was. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, there was this big build-up. Uh, the odds have been changing rapidly. Uh, there's been a lot of rumours flying about, a lot of them from the local rags who, quite frankly, don't know what they're talking about and steal their work from other harder-working writers who don't actually get paid the amount of money they get, but <coughs> whatever. Chronicle, <coughs> <coughs> chronicle. Yeah, it's um uh, the reality of it is is that we had this we had this opportunity. It got to the point where we were all getting excited, weren't we? Do you know what I mean? We're looking up. Oh well, who is this? Who is this bloke? Who is Derek McInnes? Then I mean, it's not it's not the big name manager. Do you know what I mean? We've tried that. It might have been the wrong big name manager because Moyes was obviously useless, and we should have known that when we looked at him. Everyone told us he was, and we didn't listen. But looking at someone like Derek McInnes, oh well, how does he play? Do you know what I mean? How, what sort of attitude does he have? And we were becoming excited just by, I mean, Gav will tell you, like, he, he was looking up YouTube videos to look for Derek McInnes interviews to see how he interacts with the fans. Now, how sad is that? Do you know what I mean? Not, pro, pro, <laughs> she has me. But how, how sad is that? Stick the knife in. What does it say, though, about us as Sunderland fans that when we get this potential manager coming in, one of the first things we do is rush to see what he's like just talking to people on camera. Do you know what I mean? How how much have we suffered from 
doubt the dourness of David Moyes and that how how much have we been broken by these people when it's like one of the first things that matters to us is well shit can he hold a press conference without everyone to top themselves do you know what I mean that that's it's it's a it's a tragic state of affairs and for it then to be taken almost so cruelly away so we get excited about this bloke who actually knows how to engage with his fans knows how to keep expectations realistic but not destroy them do you know what I mean knows how to talk to his team and big them up while not fucking telling them they're absolutely fucking shite do you know what I mean when they wake up in the morning oh you could just call them up like oh you're right mate yeah it's it's, a, it's the gaffer you shit remember that and then hanging up the phone that's what David Moyes might as well have been doing because he was just absolutely, utterly useless. So the idea that we would get this manager in who'd be able to talk to people and he'd have some sort of plan was fantastic. And then it was so cruelly taken away. I mean, obviously we weren't completely worked up about David McInnes, but we didn't have the chance to be. That's the tragic thing there. We didn't have the opportunity to really get excited because then all of a sudden, oh, well, and then you, you get the, the again, the lip service, the fucking, the horrible, ridiculously dull and obvious statement from Bain, oh, we're doing this, we're working hard, we're working to a time limit, don't worry, we've got your best interests at heart. You just haven't, do you know what I mean? So stop lying, stop lying about it, because the reality is what you're doing is you've made so many mistakes, you've wrapped yourself up in your own red tape, in your own bureaucracy, with your own arrogance, and you're trying to make someone else the scapegoat. You know what I mean? Martin Bain came in as a fucking spin doctor, and I've never seen anybody worse at his job. Yes, he can stand there in front of a camera. He doesn't even stand in front of a camera, does he? He gets somebody to, a little scribe to scribble down half the things he says and then send it to us, and we should be thankful, you know what I mean? Like, we should be grateful that we're getting scraps of emotive crap tossed over his shoulder, and we should just nibble them up. It's just, it's pathetic, mate. And the way this... So when it comes to actual managers, what are we looking at now? What can we no expect? Don't worry, Demo. We're Simon Grayson's odds on oh, favourite. Yeah, exactly. so. <laughs> Fantastic. So it's going to be Grayson or Tony Adams. Okay. Well, actually, if you look at if you look at, at something like odds checker and have a look at who's um, who's in the running, I mean, it's Simon Grayson, Nigel Pearson, Chris Wilder, uh, Kevin Phillips, then Tony Adams, and then outsiders you've got Ryan Giggs, Paul Lambert. Neil Lennon, Stuart McCall. So it's a, an illustrious list. Um, <laughs> not many of them really fill me with much optimism. I mean, I'd love to see um, Super Kev have some involvement with the club. You know, it'd be great to have him, even if, if whoever we bring in, if you could bring him in as an assistant, you know, because it would be great to have, you know, someone who already has a connection with the fans um, in the dugout. But out of all those names that are there, I, I really, none of them like jump out at me and, you know, make me feel optimistic. Um, I mean, there was rumours was the, of Aitor Karanka earlier on in the summer as well. I mean, he, he did a decent enough job at Borough, I guess, but his football was dour and he also chucked his toys out of his pram a fair few times. Um, but I don't know what you think, that's but none of those at the moment scream out of me as someone who is going to make me feel optimistic. They need to be looking further afield than the usual names. They need to, you know, they need to be picking a Marco Silva from abroad or, you know, a Wagner or someone like that. They need to find someone who isn't on the, the usual managerial merry-go-round and, and someone who um, inspires a bit more imagination. Mm. Well, I mean, the, for me, the idea that there's going to be any kind of decent manager coming along is, I, I find it quite, it's quite preposterous at this point. I mean, particularly when everything's so up in the air, like we said at the start, 
who is going to want to walk into this mess? Do you know what I mean? It must be slim pickings. You must be scraping a barrel at this point because nobody has the confidence to look at this club, look at the ownership, look at the infrastructure, look at the players. Do you know what I mean? The only good things that Sunderland have going for them, <clears throat> excuse me, is the it's the same thing it's had going for them for a long time now. It's the fans. Do you know what I mean? Has a brilliant fan base and brilliant facilities. But those are the only two things that are considered valuable. The only two things that any manager should be able to weigh up when he looks at, should I take this job? Do you know what I mean? On the one hand, I've got no money. The owner's crap. The squad's crap. Uh, the expectations, though, they're pretty fucking low. So, so that's decent. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think we'll end up with some sort of, with another unknown, someone, do you know what I mean? Someone coming out of a, a, a mediocre coaching career so far, someone who wants to make a name for themselves, something like that. And I, I, it's like, it's not likely to work, is it? Do you know what I mean? It's it's sad that we didn't, I mean, we should have immediately gone back for Sam Allardyce as far as I'm concerned. It'll, it'll probably be, be between two choices for me. I think it'll probably either be Stockdale until, well, God, if the, if the takeover doesn't actually happen, I think it'll probably be Stockdale anyways, because they'll put him in charge temporarily, apparently. Um, I think if the, if the, if the takeover thing doesn't get off the ground, he's probably going to end up with a job. Um, it's either that, or it'll be a big name journeyman, short term appointment, you know, cause I do think that there are plenty of managers out there who take the job. I just don't necessarily think that many of them would be the right choice. Um, so you're probably looking at someone like a, well, there's, there are, there are managers out there with, without jobs. Pardew, McLaren. Tell me they wouldn't take this job because I know for a fact they would. Um, it's going to be somebody like that or Stockdale. Un- unless the, the, the best case scenario comes off and it's, it's a, a new owner already has a manager in mind and lined up, which is tends to be the case with a lot of ownership changes. Um, the the owners already have sounded out managers that they are they want to you know take the job and things so I guess I guess it's a waiting game now it's a case of let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks I, I I do think that the the time limitation thing is a is a big deal and it it's important um if we if we set ourselves a time and a date to get this thing over the line and it doesn't happen we at least can then go back on the hunt for another manager. I don't think McInnes is off the table whatsoever. Um, and I, I know that's not been said much, but I do think that, you know, worst case, we don't get a new owner and we would go back to square one and we can go back to McInnes and say, look, um, the offer's still there. Would you take it? I don't think he would turn it down. I think I think the fact he spoke to Sunderland says a lot. And I think the fact that you look at Aberdeen and, you know, He's he's losing all of his best players there this summer. He's got a lot of you know moving around to do in his squad at Aberdeen. It's not the most attractive job. He could leave on a high and come somewhere like Sunderland. And a bit like Moyes, I suppose you wouldn't you wouldn't have the the blame necessarily pinned on him from day one if anything went wrong. So I, I don't don't think that we should write off Derek McInnes down the line. But you know, most important thing at the minute is just getting this ownership thing out of the way because once that's done and we have, I guess. A, a couple of months or a month or so to, to get ourselves in order. It's not, you know, completely unattainable that we'll do something in the championship. It's just, I, it's that sort of old saying, it's the ethics, it's a hope I can't stand. That's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. We're suddenly at the minute. It's, it's just, you know, we've been in this place before and we've came out on top. And really, what other, what other, what else do we have other than hope? I guess it's, it's a case of just seeing how, how things play out and hoping that 
we can get past this this issue with Shorten being and manager and playing squad and you know cobble something together which resembled a promotion challenge because that's what we want ultimately well you know just to try and bring it back into like a, a slightly more positive frame of mind here we, we can be positive like I know there's there's all this this calamity surrounding the club in all honesty this trepidation but it's just such a good opportunity right now to, to wipe the slate clean to get rid of all of the wrongdoings of the past 10 years under Ella Short how, however hard he's tried however much money he's put into the club there's an opportunity now with new ownership to, to get rid of the apathy to get rid of the anger I know, I know we're angry that we've been very critical of Ella Short whether right or wrong um, it's, it's been sort of worthy in my opinion though so this is the opportunity now with new ownership or new potential ownership to wipe the slate clean to actually put a plan of action in place decide you know we have this 10 year plan or we have this 5 year plan we, we know it's going to be tough up to this point but what's really important is whoever does this and this has to be done and this system needs to be put in place but what's very important is the fact that the fans are more involved we're taking for absolute mugs right now uh, if truth be told we really are we're just kept out of the loop and I bet you there's, there's people in the, the ivory tower that is on the AFC now saying oh well the fans it, that doesn't really involve the fans and you're quite right it's a business and we know that we can't look at the innermost workings but the new ownership who come in desperately desperately need to create this this they, they need to take this optimism that'll come with it and they need to, to to enhance it they need to grow it they need to cultivate it they need to involve the fans they need to get us on side and they need to take that optimism and, and, and grow it like I'm saying they, they need to keep it going it cannot just be optimism and then back to the status quo if we have no idea what's going on they need to get the fans involved from the offset they need to communicate better to us on a more regular basis we need to know what, what they're uh, avenues are we need to know what their opportunities are what they want to do and once we start to get that once we start to understand it then that's when I think we'll see something positive emerge out of the club no doubt about it that new ownership would be positive but we can't just afford for it to end abruptly and go back to the status quo like I said we desperately 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 we need to get this identity we need to get the right men and women in at the club who are going to take us forward we need to to foster a, a culture and identity of the club that not only is very obvious for the playing staff and the people at the club but the fans need to buy into it the fact if you get the fans to buy into it right if you can get the fans to buy into whatever's being done at the club everything going forward at that point would be great but we need to be cautious at the same time we need to be a little bit so, so basically stay as we are do you know what I mean like be optimistic but then be realistic about it do you know what I mean be a son of that well yeah in a way stay as we are but we can't just we can't just afford to keep this apathy and this negative energy at the club that's what the the new board if we get the new ones that's what they need to realise is this this apathy and this negativity and this this argumentative nature this bickering between the fans has been bred by the club we haven't done it you know the Roker Report hasn't done it the Love Supreme hasn't done it Wise Men Say Podcast hasn't done it the club have done it by keeping the, 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 the fans away from what really matters and that is decision making processes we've all heard the stories of Niall Quinn just popping into work in men's clubs and you know pubs and just having a big crack on with the patrons and asking what's going on and you know just having his fingers on the pulse had nothing like that from Bain and Co. We really, really haven't. It's been it's been beyond abysmal at times. But if the the new ownership or if short stays, God forbid he does, but if he does, if they can get the fans back on side and the optimism, 
this club can go so far the, the possibilities are endless but we just need to be a little bit cautious in the time it takes mm, absolutely wise words there I mean normally I would leave you with a final thought but I think uh, Tom pretty much nailed it that is something that we have to look forward to we can only look forward can't we it's, it's, it's all well and good to sit here and rant about how bad things are how poor things have been for so long but in reality all we can do is look forward all we can do is hope for the best um, that that would be my advice, as Tom says as well. Do you know what I mean? Keep you. We know your support's going to keep coming. I think that's what makes it so painful. I mean, what we do here at Roker Report, we do it as a labour of love. We do it because we care for the fans, because we understand. We understand what it's like. And like Tom says again, it it means so much to so many people. It can make or break someone's week whether Sunderland performs well or not. You know, and a lot of clubs can say that they have super fans, but in general. We seem to have the most of them, gentlemen. We have the, the best people. And that's it. They don't deserve to be let down anymore. They deserve to be, and more importantly, they deserve to be spoken to. They deserve to be respected. They deserve to have their voices heard. So, and so if, if at any point you do hear someone saying to you, oh, well, I'm, I'm not happy with it or grumbling or whatever, and you don't like grumbling, well, just get over yourself. Because the reality is everyone's got a right to their opinion. Everyone's got a right to say, you know, I'm not happy with this. I'm not happy with the way things are going. I want to make my voice heard in whatever way and let them do it. Because at the end of the day, that's all you've got, isn't it, as a human? That's You only have your freedom to to speak and to enact in everything you say. That And that's a big part of what football is about. Yes, we're watching a few men kick a piece of leather around pitch. In reality, it's it's symbolic, isn't it? It's it, We get together as a collective and it's our hopes, it's our dreams. It may We enjoy it together, we suffer together. And that's something to, to bear in mind. So, yeah, with that in mind, that's about all we've got time for. Don't forget that you can subscribe to us on the ACAST app. You can subscribe to us on our iTunes. Please do go and check out RokerReport.com. You have some fantastic content there for some from some really passionate and brilliant writers. Um, I would advise you to spend a good few days just perusing all of the excess stuff that we've got there because it, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, so... We look forward to speaking to you again. Hopefully next time we chat to you, there'll be some great news. Uh, This is the Rocker Report signing off. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.